we got to talk about this. Um, <laughs> there are certain celebrities who they attain a, a new level of stardom when they hit a certain age. Now, not to downplay their careers at all. They're remarkable. They're wonderful. But they get an added bonus of becoming, I don't know if it's like a senior statesman level or something of celebrity. I don't know. Think of Willie Nelson, okay? Betty White. Remember Betty White? Beloved. Absolutely beloved. Now, was Betty White really that great of a performer? She was great. But was she that great? Because we treated her like she was. She invented television. Um, even by people who don't really know or appreciate their work, they get this status of sort of like, we love this person. And that means we all have to love this person. Dolly Parton has arrived there. She has reached that level. Um, now, listen, I like Dolly Parton a little, I guess. I, I, I wouldn't call myself uh, a big fan of Dolly Parton by any means, of her music anyway. I love her philanthropy, and she seems like a really, really cool lady, like really cool. But National Treasure? Mm, I don't know. Now, I feel bad even saying it because, well, because she's a National Treasure. <laughs> she's universally beloved. How dare you say anything mean about Dolly Parton? But I'm going to have to because she just released a massive album. Uh, it's big. It's like 30 songs. Rockstar, it's called. And she sings all kinds of duets and collaborations that well, they don't make any sense to begin with. Um, for example, here we go. She's singing a tune. It's called Bygones, okay? Uh, it's a duet with Rob Halford. Who's Rob Halford? He's the lead singer of Judas Priest, okay? Classic rock heavy metal band. Uh, Nikki Six, the bass player from Motley Crue, is involved. Here's what it sounds like. Um, you know what? That's probably one of the better ones, actually. Uh, we'll keep going here because there's... Uh, how many does she do? There's 30 songs on the album. This one, I think, is probably the most cringeworthy. You know Joan Jett? I hate myself for loving you. Well, Dolly and Joan take a swing at that one, and this is how it turned out. Hey, Joan, don't you just hate it when you love somebody so much you just let them treat you any way they want to? Sure do, Dolly. Joan, don't you just hate it when you love somebody so much you just let them treat you any way they want to? Sure do, Dolly. Makes me hate myself. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Um, it's bad. It, it, I'm sorry, Dolly. It's bad. They're all on this album called Rockstar in record stores now, and there's a whole bunch more. Uh, Heart, for example, uh, one of the Wilson sisters. I think it's Anne. Or is it Nancy? I'm not sure. Uh, Kid Rock is on the album. Miley Cyrus, who is Dolly Parton's goddaughter, is on there. Chris Stapleton does some work with her. Elton John. I mean, all kinds of people came together to help out with this record, and... <sighs> I don't know. Eric Alper joins us. Now, you know Eric. He's a freelance music publicist. He's a Sirius XM host. We love chatting music with Eric. Eric, this is not good, right? I mean, it, it's not good, is it? You go wash your mouth off. So. <laughs> How dare I, right? <laughs> How dare you? Um, this serves the purpose of a collaborative album that was that the the ideas started to come about when she got nominated into being in the rock and roll yeah. hall of fame and then she said well i'm not really rock and roll even though that there is very much a fine line between you know blues and country and the birth of rock and roll and all of that stuff and then when she got in she kind of made a quip of like, I guess I got to go make a rock and roll right, album yeah. and a rock and roll album. She did. I mean, everybody is on this from, you know, Debbie Harry to Lizzo to Peter Frampton. I mean, she reunited the Beatles, at least the living members of, of 
uh, Paul and Ringo. So it's designed to help keep the brand of Dolly Parton alive. And and this isn't going to be a stretch. This could very well be the biggest selling album in North America come Christmas time. Unreal. That, that, that blows my mind because, you know, I, I remember a great story and I can't remember who it was. It was an interview I was reading with some great session player in New York back in the day. Uh, and he said every once in a while there'd be a phone call. Could come in the middle of the night, didn't matter. And the voice on the other end of the line would say, hey, Frank wants to play. And that meant Sinatra wanted everybody in the studio because he felt yeah. like, and, and, and everybody went just out of respect for Frank. That's the vibe I get here is like Dolly put the word out and everybody, like Rob Halford said, he's from Judas Priest for goodness sake. And he said, I couldn't wait. I was I was like a schoolgirl. I couldn't wait to get into the studio. With the, I mean, everybody wants to be part of this. So she's got a lot of big name talent backing her, at least. Yeah, and, and, and a large part of it is, of course, her music and, and the fact that she was just an absolute trailblazer. And the other part of it is what you touched on before. Not only is she one of the, the most prolific songwriters in music history, from Code of Many Colors to I Will Always Love You and Jolene, yeah. her acting career as well is kind of underappreciated. But these artists remember. They remember 9 to 5. They remember Rhinestone. They remember those movies that she was in. And then, of course, you've got a whole bunch of people who are very, very wealthy on this album, and then they will bow down to Dolly's yep. business savvy. For sure. Dollywood, the music publishing. She helped create Buffy, uh, the vampire slayer. She's a cultural icon, and of course, then you know, you go to her philanthropy part, and that is astounding from everything from their, her imagination library, where she still donates over two million books a year, and she donated a million dollars to help the COVID can, uh, vaccination go through. So there's so many touch tones and touch points to Dolly that everybody still has a reason to go, oh, three o'clock in the morning, I'm going to yep. zip down to the studio to record with her. I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's no question. She, she's in that stratosphere of, well, you, yeah. I mean, she's a legend. Hey, I wanted to ask you while I've got you here. We've got a little more information about the Daryl Hall and John Oates thing. Yeah. And now I've got a better understanding. I love those guys. Absolutely Me love too. Hall and Oates. And now we're learning today that the fight is John wants to sell the catalog, which so many artists have done. And Daryl's saying no. Um, I, I, I kind of side with John on this one. What do you think about this fight? Well, there's always a lot of artists, and, and I think you and I have talked in the past about this as well, about why all of these veteran heritage artists are selling their catalog. Number one, it's a great tax write-off. Huge get, money. You know, huge. And you get a giant check right away so that your estate and your children don't have to deal with giving permission if the song is going to be used in a toilet paper commercial yeah, or not. Yeah. Um, but with Daryl Hall and John Oates, um, you know, it's now coming out that that John wanted to sell his portion of the catalog, which means that a third party will get the rights to exploit those songs. That's if they right. want to do a Broadway musical, if they want to get a commercial, John is going to get, um, or Daryl is going to get bombarded with all of these requests that he's just going to say no to everybody, and it's just going to put more of a strain on not only his personal life, but he may look like the bad guy if he starts to turn things down um, within the industry. And so, yeah. It always boiled down to money, doesn't it? Oh, it, it absolutely. And, and I, I would imagine, Eric, I mean, I think it was, I don't know, if did Springsteen get a billion? They probably wouldn't get that, but boy, they would get hundreds of millions of dollars. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Mostly because those songs are still playing on classic sure rock radio, um, but they're kind of timeless, too. And we're, we're in an age right now where these songs are are. are 
you know, it's not that much of a stretch to say that, like, Hollow Oats music is probably more popular now because you have all of these old people like you and I still listening to them, but then you have a whole new generation that don't have to go and hope that the record is available at True. the record store. It's all on YouTube. It's all on streaming services. So artists like the Beatles and Pink Floyd, as big as they were back in the day, they're probably listened to more now than they were back in the 1960s and 70s because we all have access to the music. You're absolutely right. It's interesting. Um, Dolly Parton was on with Howard Stern last week uh, as, yeah. p- as part of her rock and rollification, I guess. And she said she's been offered hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for her catalog, too. And she hasn't done it yet. She says she will. She has no problem doing it eventually, but not yet. I mean, the money, the dollar figures, Eric, are just astronomical. Yeah, she could very well be the highest paid yeah. performer once she decides to sell beating Springsteen and Bob Dylan. Um, you know, and she's turned down, uh, you know, she's pretty savvy when it comes to that. In fact, you, you know, probably know about the story of Elvis Presley wanting to record I Will Always Love You when it was first recorded by her back in the 1970s. Um, but the deal was is that Elvis took 50% of the publishing, which yes. means that yep. forevermore, Elvis would own half that song. And Dolly said, as big as you are, and as big as it would have made my career, you didn't help write that song, therefore yep. it's all mine. And so I think when she's ready to go, she, uh, the, you know, lineups are going to be around the block. It just signed that check. She probably, they probably made more money off Whitney Houston's version of I Will Always Love You than anything else she's ever done. Oh, uh, without question. So, at least at least 60% of her, yeah. of her income, excluding her business interests like Dollywood yeah, yeah. or anything like that. It's like that with Sting, who, coincidentally, they do a duet of Every Breath You Take right. on, the, on, on the record. <laughs> Sting was making something like 35 to 40% of his giant $400 million empire based on that one song. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The money's we're crazy. We're in the wrong business, my we man. Definitely, we're sitting here talking about people, and we should be doing it, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> how, how well can you rhyme? I, I don't know. If we could buy a little talent somewhere, maybe we'd have Yeah. You, you know what? Let, let's just get AI to do it all. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Eric. Always a delight. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon.